a month or so ago. My son Asher, he's nine years old. He's in the championship game in his little league. Now, he's not the best on his team by a long shot, but he kind of enjoyed just the camaraderie and the teamwork, and, and he kind of enjoyed winning a little bit too, if I have to be honest with you. Now, parent moment, I wanted nothing to do with this championship game. It was heat index 110 degrees, and like the parents were like melting into the bleachers, I think, by the end of it. It was just a miserable experience. I just didn't want to be there, but boy, those boys wanted to be there. Asher was all in on this thing. Now, it was a double header, so even more time in the sun. So they had to win the first game to then be a part of the second game. So they won the first game, and the second game is going, and it's close. Like it goes to the bottom of the ninth, which in Little League is like the bottom of the fourth. But they went to the bottom of the fourth inning. And they're, they're close. They're, they're down by five runs, which in Little League, I mean, they like score like 70 runs a game. So this is possible. They can do it. They're five runs down. And Asher's getting into it. And I started to get into it a little bit too. I started to get a little nervous because Asher's up to bat. He's going to be third up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, fifth. Okay? So he comes up. First kid strikes out. Second kid strikes out. The third kid, which is my son, comes up and he get, grabs his bat and he just wails on the plate. And I'm like, hit the ball that hard, man. Like, let's go. And so he's there and he, and he goes and he actually gets a walk, which is great. That's fine. He gets on first base. Then the next kid gets on base. So Asher's on second. Then the next kid gets on base. The bases are loaded. This is like Casey at the bat, like type of epic stuff that kids play in their backyard type of stuff, right? The bases are loaded. They're only down five. They could get six easily. Here they go, two outs, bottom of the ninth, fifth. And the kid comes up and he is ready. He's one of their best hitters and crack. I mean, I heard that ball whistling. That's probably not true. I'm embellishing a little bit, but it was awesome. It was a huge hit. I mean, it was right down first base. This is the type of thing that he is going to get a home run, Little League home run, where like you get it past the pitcher. It's pretty much a Little League home run. And, and so it's going, it's flying. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was like angel in the outfield type stuff or if it was skill or whatever, but the first baseman stuck his glove out and it goes right into his glove out into the game. Asher was crushed. I didn't care as much, but Asher was crushed. Actually, all of those boys were crushed. They were tears. I mean, their heads were hanging low. They got a little tiny little bitty like silver trophy or whatever. Like, okay, that's, that's great. But we're on our way home. And I asked Asher, like, hey, like, do you want to play again? Did you enjoy playing this year? And he said, man, I don't, dad, I don't know. I don't know if I can take it. I don't know if my little heart can take it. Like the agony of defeat. Now we went and got nachos. He feels better. It's all fine. <laughs> Like that, that went pretty fast. But I started to kind of think about the fact of the matter is life can be hard on our heart, even as something as trivial as like a little league, you know, rec baseball team. It can be really difficult. And we have issues that come up or heartache that comes up. And we don't always know how to deal with it. So take a look at your own life. That's actually what we're going to be doing in this series. We're calling it Heartbreakers. And we're talking about these four heartbreakers in our life, these four emotions that we deal with, this root of the desire in our lives. Our hearts matter because kind of in our heart, that's where the deepest, sometimes the darkest, darkest like motivations or desires are. What's in our heart matters. 
And it fundamentally impacts the way that we live. And there are so many difficult things in our life that impact our hearts. And so some of them might be, you know, a little league type of thing. Something that, okay, we can chuckle about. It's a little sillier. But there are deep, hard, difficult things, whether they're happening in your life or they haven't in your past. There's divorce. There's grief. There's estrangement from family and broken relationships and broken friendships and terrible decisions. And the good and the bad things we deal with are rooted kind of in the way that we live and what goes on in this special place in our lives, our hearts. And when our heart is unhealthy and when our heart goes unchecked, bad things happen. Heartbreak happens. And we end up destroying things. We end up destroying ourselves or our homes or our careers or our friendships or our faith. Now, the heart is kind of a mysterious, weird, it's kind of a powerful, difficult to understand thing. And it's responsible for all these things in our life. We sing all these songs about an achy, breaky heart and all that stuff. There's love and there's hope and there's hurt. The heart is incredibly important to our lives. And it's where relationships go to start and die. It's where dreams are made and dreams are broken. Life can be so difficult on the heart. Can you relate? Maybe you keep replaying that conversation that you had with somebody. Even a long time ago, it like comes up in the worst times and you just replay it over and over and over again. And you're like, I have this feeling of guilt. I should have said something different. I should have interacted with them a different way. Why did I say that? Where did that come from? Like I'm ashamed of that. Or maybe there's broken trust in a relationship. She said that she would never say that again. And then she said it and she said it in front of my mom. And I don't know how to handle that. And I'm angry. Or maybe you're like, hey, I'm really frustrated. You said that you would show up and you didn't again. And my kids can't trust you and I can't can't trust you. Those are heart issues. Knowing when you've worked so hard in your life and you maybe you've pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you finally got into a place of financial stability and then you feel like it's kind of falling apart and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to use your time and you don't know how to use your money. You're definitely not sharing it with somebody else. Those are heart issues. Seeing that new lawnmower that your neighbor has and you're like, that one's nicer than man. That's my heart issue. I struggle with that. You know who you are. (laughs) This list, it goes on and on and on. They are all sorts of different heart issues. And before we know it, see this heart issue that we have going on overflows. And it comes out into our lives, into our behavior, into the way we talk, into the way we walk. Here's kind of the big idea for this entire series. It's what's kind of laid on. Our lives flow from our hearts. Have you ever been in a conversation and you said something and you're like, where did that come from? Like, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I even thought that. I'm not like that. Here's an example of something that recently happened, actually, at that same championship game with Asher. We have a value here at the Ridge. We aren't perfect, but we will be real. So here we go. I'm going to be real. So at the beginning of the day... I didn't care about that game. But somewhere in there, I started to care a little bit. Like I started to, you know, have some opinions about how things were going. And somewhere in there, I'm like, this is a championship game. I want this for, you know, Asher to experience that. And before I knew it, I am blurting out things out of my big fat mouth 
that I shouldn't have been blurting out, in particular to an umpire at a Little League rec game. I'm like, balls and strikes, Blue! Like, what's the matter with... Like, what am I doing? And then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then later I was like, get it together, ump! Like, come on, you blind! I mean, he's like, from here to here, from me. He can see my face. He probably knows my name. Like, this is not good. Why did I blurt it out? And I don't know. I honestly don't know. I wanted things to be fair. I wanted my son to win. Maybe I was living vicariously through him. I don't know. There are a lot of options. It's not bad to want to win, but I was going home with Asher and I'm talking to him about his heartache and I'm going through this guilt while we're interacting because I'm like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Who am I? Maybe I'm not quite as pure of heart as I act like I am. I I cannot believe that I started hollering, full-throated hollering, at a little league. This wasn't the World Series, y'all. He's nine. Not the ump, my son. (laughs) See, oftentimes our heart gets out of rhythm. It gets out of sync. What is it for you? It's probably something, and we live with the guilt, or we're burdened by the anger, or we struggle with the greed, or we hide the jealousy, and we don't want anyone to see it. But these heart issues, these heartbreakers in our life take root, and sometimes before we even know it, we're living in a way that's just out of sync, out of rhythm. We aren't living in a way that honors God. We aren't living in a way that honors other people. And these things that we pursue, these things that we hope for, like love and joy and peace, seem like the first this thing from our lives. So what do we do? Like when our heart is out of rhythm, what do we do? Well, Jesus talked about the heart and how it impacts our lives. We're going to spend some time in Matthew 15. If you have the Ridge app, you can actually go to the message notes. It's in the media part of the app, and you could follow along with what we're doing. And we could also follow along with the scripture and stuff up here on the screen. But let me set the scene. Jesus and his disciples were about to sit down to eat. And Jesus and or his disciples sat down without washing their hands. Now, this is pre-COVID, just in case you're wondering. But what about hygiene, Jesus? Like, what are you doing? And that's exactly what the religious teachers of the day, the Pharisees, that's what they thought. That's actually what they said. So Jesus sat down to eat without washing his hands because according to the tradition of the Pharisees, this is why it's a big deal, the Pharisees were saying everyone is supposed to wash their hands before they eat from the tips of their fingers to their elbows. Like they had rules on how to wash their hands before they eat. Now we have signs in our bathrooms now because apparently we didn't know how to wash our hands. Now my Apple watch will tell me you didn't wash your hands long enough and I feel guilt about that all the time because it's like you it was like 10 seconds man but they didn't have that at the time why did they have this why did they have to wash their hands in this specific way well culturally this rule wasn't about hygiene it was designed to keep people from eating something that they shouldn't eat they shouldn't put into their bodies it was to keep them from being ceremonially Unclean, And there's a lot to unpack there, but here's kind of what that means. If they ate something that they shouldn't have eaten, culturally, that means that they needed to remove themselves. They weren't allowed to be like a church. They weren't allowed to be around other people. They were unclean. They weren't worthy. They had to do something to get back into God's good graces. But here's the problem. Washing your hands 
isn't a rule or a law that God gave. It's a man-made, made-up thing. And there are reasons, maybe there are good reasons, but the Pharisees had made up a standard of right and wrong, and they put it on the same level of the things like the Ten Commandments. It's like, don't murder and wash your hands if you do. (laughs) And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to break this man-made rule. And then things got interesting. Check this out. This is Matthew 15. So some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They're here to see Jesus. And they asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And I don't know who decided to be the hand-washing police here. I don't know why. But they came to talk to Jesus about the fact that he didn't wash his hands. This is some epic preschool teacher stuff. Like, did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? They came to argue with Jesus about the fact that he didn't wash their hands. They think they got him. They think they have him. Like, here it is. Here's the thing. We're going to call him out. And Jesus is like, no, that's not going to happen. This is verse 3. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? And he just spins it back. The Pharisees are like, you're ignoring the rules. And Jesus goes, you made up the rule. Quit acting like it's God's rule. And then he goes after him. And if you're looking for some fun, light reading, check out the middle part of Matthew 15. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them fools. He calls them blind. Like he goes after them. I bet that the people who heard Jesus go after the, the hypocrites, the Pharisees are like, oh, Jesus, boom. Like they made a, like a TikTok channel. They're like epic clap back by Jesus, you know, whatever. Like he is going after it. So Jesus takes these Pharisees out, and then he turns to his followers, his disciples, who are probably the ones recording kind of the epic clackback on their phone. And this is what he says. This is what he says. This is verse 17. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Take a second to digest this, pun intended. (laughs) Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Jesus told a poop joke. It's right here. It's right here. It's important, I think, actually, because Jesus is saying everything that you just said, Pharisees, is poo-poo. But it grabbed everybody's attention. Maybe it grabbed yours too. And then Jesus keeps going. He says, everything that you just said is poo-poo, but the words you speak come from the heart. And that's what defiles you. It's not hand-washing. For from the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander, things that we don't want. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands is poo-poo. It will never defile you. God is more concerned with what comes out of our mouths than what goes into our mouths. That is what Jesus is saying. And the things that come out, where do they come from? The behavior, the words, the feelings, where do they come from? Not indigestion. He's moved past that part of the joke. The things that come out of our lives come out of the heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying the same thing that we're saying. The big idea, he is saying our lives flow from our hearts. So think about it. What's flowing out of your heart? Any evil thought that you've ever had comes from the heart. 
Any big mistake that you've had comes from the heart. Any broken relationship that you have comes from the heart. So we need to address what goes into our heart. Because the heart is the source. And our lives flow from that source. And that's what this series is about. This series, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four conditions, heartbreaks of the heart. And how our lives flow from these things and how they cause heartbreak. So for the next four weeks, each week we're going to talk about how our heart is rooted in something and how God can impact that and how if it, our heart is rooted in it, it's negative and if it's rooted in God, it's positive. So here are the four things that we're going to be talking through. These in your life at all, here they are. Guilt, we're going to be talking about guilt. This is going to be super fun. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about greed and we're going to talk about jealousy. Just heartwarming, full, fun stuff. Easy. Here's the thing. Almost every relationship, especially relationship herp or personal conflict, has these in them. I think the things in our life can be traced back to one of these four things. These heartbreakers. And when they come out, they actually indicate what's going on in our hearts. And at first glance, maybe they're not so bad, right? I can add other things to them. You're thinking maybe loneliness, abuse, struggle, you know, all of those types of things. But when it comes to issues of the heart, I truly believe it comes down to those four things. And they're a part of our lives. They're a part of our relationships. They're a part of our faith. And during the next four weeks, we're going to do a deep dive, one a week, on each of those heartbreakers. Now, heartbreak comes down to debt. Not student loan debt, not financial debt, not anything like that. It comes down to what is owed. It's kind of a transaction. Here's what I mean. Have you ever said any of these phrases kind of in your life? He took that from me. When he did that, he took that from me. She owes me an apology. She owes me that much. Those are kind of transactional phrases. They're debt phrases. God should have shown up. If he had shown up, things would have been so much better. That's a debt phrase. I can never live up to the way that I feel or what I'm hoping for. I will never achieve what I want. Or I don't understand why God would give them something and he wouldn't give me. Like, do you know how bad of a person they are? Those are all debt phrases. So we're going to set up these four weeks just to kind of make sure that we're all together. Here's the first one. Guilt is when I owe you. All of these are feelings. Feelings aren't always true. But when we feel guilt, we feel like I owe you something. Do I owe you an apology? Maybe I owe you five bucks. That's an easy debt to get rid of. Maybe I owe you an explanation. I owe you my presence. I owe something. Debt is when we owe or are owed. It's all about kind of this transaction. So it's not about money. It's just about, hey, this transaction. What what about anger? Anger is when you owe me. And this one, we're like, we would like the five bucks, please. Thank you. But this one we can identify. We understand this one. And some of us go like, hey, I'm not an angry person, but are you annoyed or frustrated or embittered? Or those are all the same thing talking about kind of anger and how it plays out in our life. And we go, you owe me something. You owe me an apology. You owe me to make it right. You should make it right. What about greed? This one is I owe myself. 
I owe me. Treat yourself is what we're talking about here. And oftentimes when we go, hey, I owe me, none of us are going to be like, yeah, I'm super greedy. Like I, I have so much greed in my heart, but it's sneaky. And we start to get, look, I earned that. We start to go like, I'm frustrated with that. I don't want to give that away. I hold too tightly to maybe my time or maybe my, my money or maybe something like that. And it turns into greed in our lives. There's like, I've earned this. I owe this to myself. And then there's jealousy. Jealousy is when God owes me or we think that that's the case. We feel like that's the case. And we go, no, that's not what jealousy is, right? Jealousy is when I want what somebody else has. Let's get one layer deeper. Why do we think that we want somebody else, what somebody else has? We think we're owed it. Who owes us? It's not the other person. We go, God, why didn't you love me as much as that other person? God, why, did, why didn't you provide for me like you provided for them? God, show up. Jealousy is about how God owes me. And these are all debt phrases. And when there's debt in our heart, there's something out of whack, out of balance, out of rhythm. And we feel these things like guilt and anger and greed and jealousy. And they come out of our hearts and we find ourselves in these damaged relationships or we can't get out of our own head or we feel these things and we don't understand where the struggle is coming from with God or in our faith or in our heart or whatever. And we don't know how to deal with the heart issue. And the only way to deal with relational debt, just like normal debt, There's two ways to deal with debt. Pay it off. Cancel it. That's it. There's no other way. You either pay it off or it gets canceled. But as long as the debt goes unpaid, the heart is out of sync. It's out of whack. It's out of rhythm. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. These heartbreakers and what we owe and what we feel like we owe. The debt they bring and how God can unbreak our hearts. But what about right now? Like, what about today? This is Ephesians 3, starting verse 17. This is what it says. Then Christ, this is Jesus, then Jesus will make his home in your hearts as long as you trust him, as long as you surrender your life to him, as long as you follow him. Christ will make his home in your heart as long as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Without Christ making his home in our heart, without Jesus being a part of our heart's health, these heartbreakers will break our lives. We can't get away from them. They'll continue to prevail. They continue to beat us down. They continue to impact our relationships. So we have to make Jesus our priority. We have to make everything kind of about Jesus, our heart about Jesus. We have to surrender all of this stuff to Jesus. So all of this is about what Jesus has done, about who he is, about his love, about how he's already taken our place with our sin, where we fall short, where we make mistakes of God's standard. That's what the cross is all about. That's what we're here to celebrate. That's what we've been singing about all day. We have to start with Jesus. And if our lives flow from our hearts, then the condition of our heart really comes from if Jesus is in our heart or not. And our lives flow from our hearts. So what do we have to do? We surrender our heart to God. And some of us 
are like, I did that a really long time ago. I'm one of those. I did that a really long time ago. But can I be honest with you? I still deal with guilt, and I still deal with anger, and I still deal with greed, and I still deal with jealousy. Why? Because I still need to surrender my heart to Jesus. So with the remainder of our time today, we need to answer a really important question. So right now, wherever you are, if you're in this room, if you're online, if you're watching this later, whatever, I think that there's one question that we can ask and answer to help us with surrendering our lives to Jesus. Here it is. Here it is. How's your heart? If our lives flow from our hearts... The question remains, how is your heart? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little exercise. We're kind of walk through this together. So why don't you go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head. You don't need to elbow the person next to you. You don't need to raise your hand, anything like that. We're just going to walk through these four things. Answer some questions. Here's the first one. Are you guilty about anything? Is there something that popped up in your head, your heart just then? Is there something that you always replay in your life? Is there a regret or a struggle you keep going back to over and over again? Do you feel like you owe somebody something? Man, I just owe them an apology. I owe them an explanation. I need to show up. I need to do something. Are you guilty about anything? Are you angry with anyone? Annoyed with anyone? Frustrated with anyone? Have you been wronged by somebody? Does spending time with somebody just fire you up? Have you been abused or have you been hurt? Is there an area in your life that you're like, I know I need to forgive, but I don't want to. They need to own up to it. They need to make it right. Are you greedy about anything? And I know that nobody raises their hand when we talk about greed. But is there something that you hold on to more tightly than you should, more tightly than Jesus? Do you hold on to your time? Do you hold on to your money? Do you hold on to your politics? Do you hold on to your opinion more tightly than you hold on to Jesus? That might be an indicator that there's some greed going on. Do you ignore the prompts in your life of loving others or being generous or being helpful? Who's the most important person in your life? Are you greedy about anything? Here's the last one. Are you jealous of anyone? Do you compare yourself or your stuff or your situation or your family to somebody else? Do you ever find yourself going, I just wish, I just wish I had that. I wish that I was like that. I wish I could see it that way. Do you get discouraged when you look at the social media kind of highlight reel of somebody else's life, and you're like, ah, oh, man, you have that pang in your heart, and you're like, I wish I had that vacation. I wish I was there. I don't, I, that must be nice. Do you feel like you just can't keep up with the world around you? Or you have all this stuff, and you just still feel empty? I don't know what your answers to those questions are, but right now, hold those answers in your heart. And right now, you can say this quick prayer to yourself right now, wherever you are. God, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my heart to you, God. Whatever it is, however it is, it's not my opinion, it's not your opinion, it's not your your family's opinion, it is God's opinion. Whatever it is, if I'm falling short of what you would hope for me, my desire is that I surrender 
that to you, God, you can open your eyes. As we wrap up, I have just one challenge on top of kind of surrendering this to deal with these heartbreakers in our lives. So as we surrender our heart to Jesus, I think things change. I think that's really what that Ephesians verse is saying. As we say, God, I'm going to put you first. Jesus enters into my heart and I am rooted in Jesus. That means that our lives will fundamentally change. But here's the challenge, kind of just for the next four weeks. I challenge you to attend every week of this series. Now, if this is your first time here, I'm so glad that you're here. And I think that you're here for a reason. And I'm asking you to commit. I don't care if you're here. I don't care if you live in town. I don't care if you're from somewhere else. We have an online campus. You can watch it on demand on our website. I encourage you for the next four weeks to attend. And if you might, just might have some guilt or anger or greed or jealousy in your heart, here's what I believe will happen. If we surrender our heart to God, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, he will change change our lives. I believe it. I've seen it in my own life. I've been asked this question before. How's your heart, Adam? And every single time I've been asked this question, I've been challenged. I've needed to address something. I've ended up in a place that I think honored God more. It was healthier. It was happier and more aware of what God is doing in and around and with and through me. And I know that there are reasons not to attend, but I challenge you, attend every week of this series because my prayer has been and my prayer continues to be that God will honor you surrendering your heart. And that when you surrender your heart to Jesus, your heart will be transformed, not magically, but by the grace and truth and love of Jesus. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I admit right here, I just say right here, I fall so short on these things that when I actually stop and I actually think and I actually examine and you bring up these examples of guilt and anger and greed and jealousy and that we're kind of chained up by those things that we're trapped by those things. We just can't get out and it impacts our relationships. It impacts our faith. It impacts our worldview. It impacts everything. So today, right now, in this moment, we surrender our heart to you. We surrender our heart to the God who created the universe. We surrender our heart to the God who sent Jesus, who lived this perfect life, who died on the cross for where we fall short. I believe these things, even if they seem far-fetched. I believe them with my whole heart and I surrender my whole heart to those things. That as we live throughout this week, our heart, our surrendered heart is transformed in such a way that people notice, our families notice, our community notices, our church notices because of how great you are. Help us trust you so much and allow you to break free from those chains that are around us, those chains of guilt or anger or greed or jealousy. We just surrender them to you right now and we thank you for your power and we thank you for your grace and we thank you that even though we've made mistakes and we fall short, you love us perfectly and you love us anyway. And it's in Jesus' name and because he is in our hearts that we pray. Amen.